This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Coming up on today's show, PlayStation had a showcase, and while they did not announce the Final Fantasy IX remake that I have been hoping for, it's all good because I got to play Final Fantasy XVI, and I can tell you all about it. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by a disappointed Brittany Brombacher. All I'm going to say is you only had to do one thing, PlayStation, and now it's my Final Fantasy IX remake. That's all I want. That's all that millions of us out there want. You didn't do it. Zero out of ten. Give me a fucking redo. So the focus of this week's episode, if you haven't picked it up, is going to be that PlayStation showcase that happened this week because turns out there was some other news, but not a lot. And there was a massive amount of games, 35, in fact, covered in the PlayStation showcase. But before we get to that, I want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers. Chewy's Got Sun, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, and Punctified. And welcome to our Patreon community. Madison, you can join our patrons at whatsgoodgames.com slash Patreon or at patreon.com slash what's good games. Both of those websites take you there just in case you were ever curious, you know. Thank you to our new podcast reviewers. We have a bunch of new reviewers this week. We Thank do. you so much, folks. Thank you all. Yeah, you know, last week I talked about the asshat who gave us a too woke comment. Too woke. Mm-hmm. Too woke. And we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight new reviewers. So thank you, Stokes PD, Neat Game, five, five, six, six, seven, seven, Polly Bag of Donuts, Josh T Box, NJ11, Captvoltronics, Rex. I fucked that up. Sorry, I love you. Dark Co Freak, <laughs> 828, and JJT. Creek. Yeah, thank you all. It helps out so much. It makes me feel good that one douche nozzle can put his douche, his or hers douche nozzleness everywhere in the world. And then we can get some of you badass folks to cover up the douche nozzleness, like in that foam party game Square Enix. Like I imagine you coming in there with your foam and like spraying it all over. Yeah, we'll be talking about foam stars. Just you wait. But seriously, thank you all so much. It does mean a lot to us. So we really appreciate you guys taking the time to give us a wonderful five star review. So Today's show is also brought to you by ExpressVPN, but we'll talk about that in just a little bit. The PlayStation Showcase 2023, Brittany informed me that it had been 572 days. Someone in chat, yeah. So the last one was in 2021, because we were wondering about that, and that just seems absolutely wild to me, but then they broke it down by days. So yeah, it's been like 570 days. Something ridiculous. Ridiculous. Since the last showcase. Uh huh. And uh-huh. we were expecting a banger of a show. And we got a show. I just don't know if it was a banger of a show. Yeah, I would say my socks weren't rocked. Rock your socks. Knock my Skirt socks off. only partially blown. A little Parti- wisp of a blow. Partially blown. It's a little deserty in those panties still, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we, we did live stream our reactions on twitch.tv slash what's good games. It was a lot of fun. I love doing that with you, Andrea. And it's so fun when our community comes and we can all experience it together. Such a great time. But like I was saying during that, it's this thing of, I talked about my list last week. And I talked about my list before the, the showcase today. We're recording this right 
right after the showcase. And in my list, I had a bunch of like first party new IP reveals. What's Corey Barlog up to? What's Ben Studio up to? Are we going to get Ghost of Tsushima? Who could say? Are we going to see something from Twisted Metal since we have the Peacock game? So I have like this lit, like RE4 DLC separate ways in my list of like what I'd like to see. And we didn't really get any of that. We got some RE4 VR stuff, which we'll talk about in a minute. There were some announcements in there that were fun, but none of these games really spoke to me. And so I'm trying to remain very like centered and be like, you know what? I'm not saying these were bad games because they absolutely were not. Look at Alan Wake 2. Look at the new Bungie stuff. Like some cool, cool stuff was announced. But there is nothing that like got me hot and bothered and moist, if you know what I'm saying. So again, like nothing terrible, but just again, like not a first party blowout. I think like a lot of us had been expecting. And again, we're a victim of our own of our own crimes here. We hype ourselves out, and I think it was just a little bit of that today. I think I was a little too hyped out, which is like surprising no one. You know what I mean? I don't think you need to be apologetic for bringing the hype. Uh. As somebody who has sat next to you in many PlayStation press conferences and also live stream PlayStation showcases with you, I think that there's always a moment of hype for you. And it just felt like this year was just a little bit of a ho-hum. And I, I don't want to say that because as you already said yourself, there was plenty of great games here. But I think PlayStation is just the victim of the own bar they've set for themselves in this moment. And so we were coming into this going, okay, there's going to be at least a couple like big, like wow moments, like those viral, like, can you believe that they showed this thing? And you're right that it was just a lot of expected announcements. I think some of the highlights, let's talk about our highlights of new stuff that we didn't see coming, didn't know was happening. And they started the show with one, Haven Studios, Ray Jamin's new development studio, showed their brand new game called Fair Game. Z- <laughs> Jerry's I still so like the branding of them putting like a dollar sign on the end, like an S. Like, who are you, Kesha? What's happening? <laughs> I'm not okay with that. I hope they like get rid of that because that's confusing. And also, I don't even know if you can use that in a hashtag. Can you use a dollar sign in a hashtag? You can't use symbols, right? So like marketing folks fix it, but they are calling it an emergent sandbox PVP game. Mm -hmm. And we were chatting about it in our live reactions and calling it cyberpunk Robin Hood. (laughs) That's actually, yeah, cyberpunk Robin Hood with a little bit of payday in there is kind of what it looks like. And, you know, like just from the get go, this isn't a game that I would be immediately drawn to, especially since there is this PVP component and this heist component. And that tells me that you're going to be playing against people who are a lot better than you are. I think if it was more of a PVE, and maybe this is still an option, we're still learning about all this stuff like in real time as we're recording this, where you can go against maybe the AI or go against the computer or something. Like, same thing, duh. But that would have been fun. That would have been more attractive to me because I think what Jade Raymond does, I think she's brilliant. Uh, You know, I want to know like, what are they capable of making? What is this like twist that they're going to put on this that will make me actually drawn to this? But if it's PVP, like, I can't take the time to get good. Yeah, I can, and I'm interested, and I think the CG trailer was great. I just, I want to learn more, but I'm glad that they've announced it, and I'm glad that they got it out there, because I think it means that we're going to get more information, because that team's been pretty dark for a while, Mm -hmm. and they've been working on this, and I just, I'm ready to, like, get a little bit more. So I think that this was a great way to start the show, because this was a relatively new acquisition from Sony Interactive and Worldwide Studios, and, you know, I think that PlayStation definitely 
is going to benefit from having more PvP and shooter focused experiences under their belt, especially now that, you know, Activision is maybe, fingers crossed, going to be part of Xbox. Who, Who knows if say? that deal is actually going through anymore. But it's always been a part of PlayStation's portfolio that's been a little bit weak. They've always relied on third party partners like Call of Duty, like Destiny, and others to kind of fill in that gap. And this could be a really cool moment for them to have a more shooter-focused game that is underneath the hood, even though they've now bought Bungie, so they've got that. Speaking of Bungie, yeah. <laughs> let's just transition right there, shall we? Because this was probably my highlight of the show. We got a reveal of Bungie's Marathon, the brand new game that they're working on. I forgot that Bungie already made Marathon. So is this a reboot? Question mark? I don't know. I'm going to pull up the teaser trailer because it looks just so cool. Okay. I think I was expecting a new original IP. And then when the information dropped and we were like, oh, is this new IP? Is this just a reboot? Is it a remake? We don't really know. We don't really have the answers to that quite yet. So while you're pulling that up, I'll read from the PlayStation blog. So it says, Today Bungie makes history with the announcement of its first completely new project in more than a decade called Marathon. It's a sci-fi PvP extraction shooter and finds players engaging one another as cybernetic mercenaries known as runners explore a lost colony on the planet of Tau of Seti in search of riches, fame, and infamy. Currently in development for PS5 and PC with full cross-play and cross-save. And then they go on to talk about how finding the right balance is one of those fun parts of development. And uh, sorry, like I'm just reading this interview in real time. So this is on the PlayStation blog and they are talking about like what it's like to bring up this original game from 1994 and kind of remake it. And then at one point they ask, you know, they say, you mentioned that Marathon will feel like a bungee game. What does that mean for you? And they said, you know, it means running the gamut from incredible feel of the weapons to beautiful and world building, rich in lore, immersion opportunities. So it's kind of like a PR speak at this point. Said the original Marathon Games revealed story moments through terminals, all in text, but now we have new ways. So it is interesting that they are bringing this back up. And I think that's cool. I think, you know, if anyone can do something with guns and pew pew and this tactical stuff, I think it's probably Bungie. And I know like they've been crushing it. Well, I don't know if they've been crushing it with Destiny. I just go off of like what you and Ree and everybody else talks about in the community. But like, I think it's really cool when developers can kind of stray away and do something a little bit different and kind of flex those muscles a bit. So I'll keep my eye on this. But you lost your goddamn mind when a certain someone appeared on stage or on the screen during a little Destiny. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And, you know, I mentioned that I've been having trouble with some of these press conferences lately. And I don't know if it's just like fatigue from being a new mom. Well, not new anymore. Oh, my God. They're two now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or it's just me like misaligning my expectations for what we should be getting. But I've had trouble having those like get hype moments at some of these showcases and these big events that we've been watching until... The trailer for The Final Shape came out. So this is a trailer from Bungie again for Destiny 2. And The Final Shape is a massive expansion that's coming. And it features Ikora, who's part of the Vanguard in the game. She's a major character in the game of Destiny in Destiny 2. And Cade 6 is back, everybody. Dude, I was or, like, or what? is he? I don't know. 
I know that's it. Happening? How is he a thing that is existing? I don't know. And of course, Nathan Fillion is reprising the role for him. I know it's people like, is he actually back? And it's like, yes, this is him. So like, it has like, in what capacity? So I'm dying to hear, Andrea. What do you think about them bringing him back? Do you think this was planned all along? Do you think the backlash of him being removed or killed off in like 2018 or whatever it was was such a big deal that they're like, oh crap, let's bring him back. I don't want to believe a world where Bungie intentionally got rid of him as a character and then was like, we're going to bring him back five years later or whatever the fuck, right? Like that to me is like toying with fan emotions in a way that I'm not okay with. I mean, is it kind of genius? Sure. But do I like it? No. Did it have something to do with Nathan Fillion's schedule as a very in-demand actor? And maybe he couldn't voice the role of Cade. And Bungie rightly was like, we're not getting anybody else to do Cade. If Nathan can't do Cade, then like we're killing Cade. Maybe. Who knows? I guess we're going to have to ask Bungie and see if they'll give us an answer. But I'm glad that he's back. I want to learn more. But for Destiny fans, the final shape narratively is a culmination of a lot of storylines across multiple years. And hopefully it's going to live up to fan expectations because I don't think the, you know, Lightfall really lived up to fan expectations for people who have been playing the game for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Narratively. Now, gameplay wise, that's, you know, a conversation for another time. But I'm excited for this because I love Cade. He's one of my favorite characters in the game. And I think he's obviously everybody else's favorite character in the game. And it's been really frustrating as a player that they got rid of him and they didn't really fill that void with another meaningful character. There's been a couple good characters here and there, but there's never been another Cade or somebody that could fill that role. And it's been kind of a disappointment that a lot of our interactions with the NPCs in this world, which is like a very true MMO now, you want you know those NPCs to have meaning, It just feels like they've been a little too surface level. So I'm hoping that we get something great, but obviously need to see more. But that was a really fun highlight for me, and I'm really glad that we got to see that. There is a Destiny 2 live stream coming August 22nd. So That's too far away. Mark it's two calendar. minutes away. That is it's three freaking months away. It's far away. I didn't realize it was so far away. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on to your butts, Andrea, for three more months. Your butts. Like okay. Your butts. Okay. Oh. All right, Brittany, you want to talk about Foam Stars? Oh, God. Sure. Let's do it. Okay, so yeah, Foam Stars is a new fresh party shooter revealed for PS5 and PS4. And so again, on the PlayStation blog, like, you know, again, we're recording this right after the stream, so we don't have all of our ducks in the row, but we're doing our best. So this is an upcoming 4v4 party shooter for PS5 and PS4, where players will battle it out with foam. And the article goes on. It's like, now I'm sure many of you are wondering how foam and shooting works. And then they go on to kind of like explain. So foam is used for not just attacking. You can also shoot foam on the ground and it will build up, altering the terrain. And then, you know, you can use the foam in creative and versatile ways. And then you have, I'm seeing GIFs of people using surfboards on the foam. And so, yeah, like this is very, very interesting. You know, again, I think you can't help but draw the conclusion like this is obviously inspiration from a game like Splatoon, which is an incredibly, incredibly well. And, uh, you know, like I've said on the stream, I'll say it again here, like go on with your bad self, Square Enix. I'm getting my Final Fantasy 16, which, you know, I guess I talked about Final Fantasy 16 this week. (laughs) We were wondering if we were going to have anything hands on to talk about, like, duh, Final Fantasy 16. Uh, they're working on Final Fantasy 7 I'm still convinced they're working on Final Fantasy 9 so yeah like cool like you know you're doing it you're crushing with the IP I want you to crush it with go on experiment with something like this I would just love to know like what was why I don't want to sound like I'm poo-pooing it because I feel like that's 
what I'm sounding like. But hey, like maybe there's going to be a lot of, uh, uh, you know, traction, no pun intended, traction under the foam here. And maybe people will love it. I'll turn into the next big like PVP you'll see at Evo. Who could say? Uh, rooting for you, but go on with your bad self. I think that this is a really great game for Square to try to get more into the family market because historically Square doesn't really have a lot of family-friendly games or games that are geared towards multiplayer couch co-op play, right? Mm -hmm. They have some, but not a lot. And it's a genre that's been really successful for a lot of other publishers. And I think it's a really interesting take on it. I think I saw somebody, maybe it was IGN, call it the persona splatoon look like we've always wanted oh we <laughs> have like, always wanted that really okay cool like, let's i was like you know that's a very specific wish list but i'm happy for you that that's the thing that you wanted was a was a persona splatoon <laughs> game and now it looks like you're getting it um but like, come on I you guess- can't actually convince me that anyone was ever like yo you know what would be great if persona and splatoon merged it's fine no i think it was clearly like whoever wrote that being cheeky yeah. but what i'm interested to learn more about is how the build mechanics work yeah. because we saw the build mechanics in Fortnite be very popular and then they kind of fell by the wayside in preference of no build mode but I want to try this I want to get hands on and and see you know just how fun it is to play because Splatoon is really fun to play and clearly has a big audience and if they can capture even part of that audience and then support it with ongoing content I think that they could do some really great things because obviously Splatoon is only on Switch Right. Well, now, you know, it was on. Wait, was the first Platoon on Wii U? Pretty sure that was Switch. Yeah, 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 Switch. Right? It's been Switch this whole time, right? I'm not crazy. No, you're not crazy. Unless okay, we're thank wrong, you. then we're both crazy. Girl, I don't know. Fl- time. Time makes no sense to me anymore. No. Yeah, so that was definitely an interesting take. I think when I saw Square Enix, I was really excited. And then I saw it. And I was like, okay, like I said, cool. I'm sure this is for someone. I hope it does well. That's always great to experiment and go outside the box. The game that I think got the most like <laughs> reaction for me of all things was Cat Quest, Pirates of the Caribbean. So this is coming out in 2024, and I don't know if I've ever talked about Cat Quest on this before, but it's a really hold cute- on. What I was I'm not wrong. The original Splatoon was on Wii U. Wait, what? <laughs> yes, it was. It was. I was like, like no, it, it it was definitely like pre Switch. Was it first really? One. Yes. It wasn't like a simultaneous <laughs> launch like Wii U and Switch. 2015. Oh, fuck. Well, oh, oh, no, of course it was. It, it, it came to Switch eventually. That is but hilarious. But, like, I just want to oh, make sure. Girl, I, wasn't, I, I was like, wait, no, I felt confident and then I questioned myself. Girl, I'm so glad because I would have laid my life on the fact that it came to Switch originally. That's that. Wow. Okay. Well, great. Wonderful. There you go. Splatoon on Switch. Anyway, Cat Quest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cat Quest. So I don't know if I've talked about it on the show before, but I've played Cat Quest 2 because it was a cooperative game. Played it many, many years ago, pre pandemic, actually. So my memory on it is like, a little hazy, but I just remember having an absolute blast playing with this with Jason. It's a really cute RPG with progression, and it's like this open world map, and you know, you deal damage, and you level up, and you do all this really, really cute stuff, different like classes and attacks and stuff like that. And so I had honestly forgotten about this game for a minute. And then when I saw the little cute cat with his little like eyebrows and his little bandana, I was like, oh my God, Cat Quest. And it came at a really good time because the game before it was incredibly sad. But essentially, yeah, it's called Pirates of the Caribbean. It's coming on PS5 and PS4 next year. And they're adding ship sailing, an evolved combat system, and a new freely explorable world and story in this latest installment. You'll be able to sail the seas wherever you want in your own pirate ship. Oh my God. And several improvements. And then they kind of go on into the nitty gritty and juicy. But yeah, like, hey, listen, I had such a great time with Cat Quest. And I think it's something that a lot of people slept on. And look how cute it looks. 
looks. Like, it looks so good. 2024 is how they're, instead of 2024, again, like, Bring really on the cute. puns. It looks so much more colorful this time. Like, kind of has that cel-shaded isometric view, which the first one had. But, um, yeah, really, really excited for this one. Bring it on. I want to play all the Cat Quest games. But the game before that, that, thank God, Cat Quest was there to follow up with it, was Neva or Neva. So N-E-V-A is how you spell it. And this is from the folks who made Gris. And we talked about Gris on the show way back in the day. I don't remember when this came out. But Gris is also one of those games that have really stuck with me ever since I played it. It came at a time where I emotionally was like kind of having a hard time processing some feelings that I was going through. And this game just perfectly like manifested that in a way that I was able to interpret and visualize. And it actually really helped me out a lot, like kind of work through what I was working through. So this studio, Normata Studio, automatically has my respect and they have my attention. And it was a pretty pretty like sad trailer. It's gorgeous. It has that art style you'd expect if you've seen Gris in action. And the PlayStation blog says, have you ever wondered what it would be like to raise a wild animal? In this game, not only will you find out firsthand just how troublesome a teenage wolf can be, you'll learn to depend on one another in more ways than one. And this is the paragraph, Andrea, that makes me know, like, we're in for some heartbreak. Neva is our own newborn baby, a love song dedicated to our children, our parents, and our planet. It tells the moving tale of a young woman and her lifelong bond with a magnificent wolf as they embark on a thrilling adventure through a rapidly dying world. Oh, you have platforming, puzzles, combat challenges while dealing with monstrous enemies and minimal UI, delicate art, animation, elegant music score. Like, yes, absolutely give this to me. During the stream, it was really, I think, telling because, you know, we're all hyped. We're watching it. And then you and I just both go silent as we're watching this. And then we both just started our eyes started tearing up and it was just so moving. So, yeah, all eyes on this one for me, for sure. It definitely looks like we're going to cry. Yep. Bust out the tissues. Yep, yeah, I'm in. Yep. I'm in for sure. That game was a really like poignant moment in the middle of a bunch of other stuff that was going on in that game. Yeah. So we're not going to cover literally everything in the PlayStation Showcase because, as I mentioned, 35 games featured. We've already talked a little bit about Immortals of Avian, and we're going to be talking about that again in the not too distant future because that game is coming out in July. But new trailer, looks cool, mm-hmm. magic shooter, want to see more. The game that we were looking at that we were like, what is this game? Are we going to play this game? What do we think about this game? Was Phantom Blade Zero. So we were watching this trailer being like, hmm, what is this game exactly? Who is making this game? And I have never played any of the Phantom Blade games, Mm -mm. but I wanted to just point this out because it looks like a game that looks like super dope and that I think I would actually really like, but I want to like learn more about how the gameplay actually works. So let me pull up a little bit of the trailer because I was like, is this, for a second I was like, is this Ghost of Tsushima 2? And I was like, no, quickly it was like, no, it's not. Definitely not. And then it was like, is this, you know, some kind of a mashup game? Because there was some funny dialogue in it, but there's also like this dark samurai stuff happening. It's like that perfect mesh that I love of like cheese, but kind of like based off of some sort of like lore, you know? And I, and that's like, I'm like, yeah, like that's the kind of shit. That's why I love Wo Long. And anyway, so going on Game Informer while we're playing this trailer, they say, while it's hard to ascertain specifics from the trailer, we did get glimpses at the game's action RPG combat. And according to a YouTube description, Phantom Blade Zero is inspired by Chinese martial arts and steampunk in it you play as dark raider out for revenge against the order the voiceover just twice asks a disembodied character what they will do with what little time they have left so yeah like that's the other thing is like you have 66 days to live what are you going to do with it and like what i want to see is yeah this combat how does it play how smooth 
And how easy is it to pull off this incredible combat that we're seeing in the trailer? Because there's no HUD. So we don't know. But God, it looks good. It looks really good. Ugh. Yeah, it looks it looks real cool. And I should mention that the vast majority of these trailers had the PlayStation 5 or the PS5 tag on them. Now, there was no clarification on most of them if it was PS5 exclusive, PS5 partnership, or whatnot, because again, as a reiteration, a lot of this showcase featured partner titles, did not feature mm-hmm. first-party titles, but we do know that Sony has been putting a lot of their first-party titles on PC. Right. But it is assumed that a lot of these third-party titles will also be coming to other platforms, whether that be Xbox, PC, or Nintendo platforms. Obviously, depending on the title, of course. (laughs) The next game I want to briefly talk about is just Alan Wake 2. We got a new look at that. This coming to PS5, according to the PlayStation blog, on October 17th. And I think the thing that stood out to me the most in this game was how creepy it looked. I mean, the first one's like creepy, yes, but this one just looks like all sorts of fucked up. When we were watching it, Andrea was like, yo, Resident Evil. And yeah, it just looks like you have like this weird creature walking towards you with like eight arms or so and just kind of the glimpses and the creatures that you saw. And the camera angles and whatnot, I'm like, ooh, this looks like this is going to be real creepy. So that definitely was another highlight for me, for sure. And then, you know, the blog goes on to say if you haven't played the first one, you can just hop into the second one without playing the first. But the first one is still very fun. So definitely check it out if you haven't. This, to me, was another big moment during the showcase. And it's telling that an IP like Alan Wake was the big moment because I think that an IP like Alan Wake is not as big of an IP as you know, Mm-mm. a lot of people within the games industry or great games media industry think it is. And that's something I think that's worth mentioning is that, you know, while we're hyped for Alan Wake, like the larger gaming consumer audience isn't as familiar with Alan Wake as a, an IP as I think people in gaming media think it is. No, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, I, I would never make that argument. I would never say like, it is this huge fucking like IP with a lot of weight behind it. It's not. But I love that we're getting it a sequel and maybe it can become that next thing. You know, we've seen ever since Resident Evil remakes, we've seen these survival horror games come back from the ashes and really be wildly successful. So hopefully, you know, this will just be the beginning of a new Ellen Wakeology. Alan Wakeology. Oh, Alan I like Wakeology. Thank you. Thank you. Wakeology. Wakeology. All right. Which direction to go next? Well, oh, I know. What? Let's hear a message from this week's sponsor. This week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like forgetting to mute yourself on a Zoom call for work and your coworkers hear you making an appointment to get waxed. I mean, sure, getting waxed is no big deal, right? But whose business is it what you're doing with your body hair anyway? Am I right? You can wax whatever you want, just like you can surf the web however you want to with protection from ExpressVPN. Now, you might not realize that internet service providers know every single website that you visit. Yeah, all of them. You can't hide it. But ISPs can also then go and sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who then use that data to target you. Now, if you've ever gotten a very specific Google ad or an Instagram ad, you know exactly what I'm talking about. ExpressVPN will reroute your network data through a secure encrypted tunnel so your ISP can't see it and thus the tech giants and the social media companies of the world can't buy it. And it's really simple to use, you guys. All you got to do is fire up the app 
Click the connect button and boom, you're protected. It's rated number one by both CNET and TechRadar, and it works on phones, laptops, even your router, so that everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected as well. Now, when I'm traveling through airports or hotels, we all have to jump on that public Wi-Fi, right? So that's why I love using the ExpressVPN app on my phone because it makes sure that all of my sensitive data and my browsing history is protected. Protect your online privacy by visiting expressvpn.com slash what's good Good games today. That's e x p r e s s v p n dot com slash what's good games, and you can get an extra three months for free. expressvpn.com slash what's good games. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Brittany, I know I kind of faked you out there for a second. You did. But I do think we buried the lead a little bit with this PlayStation Showcase recap yeah. news. Because the biggest thing that we saw at the PlayStation Showcase is what we probably should have started with, yep. of course, was Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Big dog. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, you know, during the stream, you were like, I think they're going to close out with Spider-Man. And I'm like, nah, they're going to close out with Ben or Corey Barlog or something. Well, you were right. I, I got myself a little hyped out there for a minute. Uh, yeah. So they closed out with Spider-Man. I think we got, it was like 10 minutes of, of look at this game. And, you know, admittedly, I was like, oh, the close-up with Spider-Man, that's not going to be very exciting. I was wrong. It was incredibly exciting. That game looks so fucking impressive. Of course, it looks beautiful and cool, but impressive is the word that keeps coming to mind. Watching them sling through the city and doing the things they were doing, and I'm like, I can't wrap my little pea-sized brain around it. I'm like, this, I don't know what magic they've done to make this game look so good, but they've done it. And uh, it was really fun having the chat with us because, you know, we're, we're seeing Peter Parker with this this black suit on. And I know it's a specific suit. And I'm trying to figure out, like, who is he? Why is he looking like this? Who is the relation to Venom? Blah, blah, blah. And Chad was explaining it to me. And I still, like, don't quite understand. But it really helped put into context what was happening. But either way, I call this Daddy Peter Parker because he's out for fucking blood, man. His voice is deeper. It's more gravelly. He's just like, don't fuck with me. And I loved that. I loved it so much. Ah! Yeah, this was a really fun moment to watch along with our live audience. And this is the first time we've really seen this from Insomniac. Obviously, Peter Parker confirmed to be back. He's in the black suit. We get to see Craven as one of the big bads in the game. We get to see a bunch of combat as we're watching here right now, recapping the trailer at youtube.com slash what's good games. And this was a nice meaty chunk that I Ooh. was really happy that PlayStation did. Am I happy that it was all the way at the end? Not really, but I'm glad we got it. And I don't think anybody was expecting anything less than a stellar trailer from Insomniac, knowing how well they've done with the Spider-Man franchise 
on PlayStation. And yeah, Brittany and I were gushing over the lighting effects in this trailer. Oh, God. This is so good. I, yeah, like the lighting does something to me. And it's something else we just saw is, you know, we know that both characters would be playable. And the question for the longest time is, is this game going to be cooperative? Sony did come out and confirm, like, nah, it ain't. So, okay, we know that. But what I love about it is that it looks like you're going to be switching between characters when they want you to. And that's what I want from a narrative experience like this. Because if it were up to me, I mean, if they were going all out, and it's like you can experience this game from both Miles and Peter's point of view. Like that sounds way too overwhelming. You know, if I was the one in, in control of who experiences what and when they do. But it sounds like, yeah, it's like you play as Peter and then it's like little scenes switch to Miles. And then you switch to Miles and then you switch back. And I'd have to watch this again to see if there are any moments where you can choose who you play as during certain, you know, pivotal cutscenes or whatever. But are during scenes. But either way, like, I love this. I love this so much. And it looks so damn fun. I love how he's like slinging the guys up and turning them into little cocoons. I know you could do that in the other ones, but either way, it just reminds me, despite knowing little to nothing about Spider-Man lore and Spider-Man as a whole, I don't need to, to get hyped as hell about this. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's what's been really great about watching what Insomniac has done with the Spider-Man games. And what we've seen, you know, from some of the other Marvel games from other publishers as well, is that they make people like you and I, who aren't deep into the comic book lore, feel welcome playing these games and feel like we can still have a really fun time, even if you don't know all the D cups. But they have been also doing a lot of fan service for people who do know. And I think it's such a difficult balance to strike. And I think they've been doing a really great job with it so far and everything we saw in this gameplay demo just makes me want to play more makes me even more confident in insomniac's ability to deliver once again get on this but once again Brittany, we don't have a release date it's just fall 2023 but also here we have yet again insomniac putting what is probably going to be a phenomenal game out in a year against too many other phenomenal games. This is going to be another year where Spider-Man gets shut out from award considerations because Zelda is just going to sweep everything. Doesn't matter how good Final Fantasy is. Doesn't matter how good Diablo is or how good Starfield is or Assassin's Creed or literally anything else that comes out this year. Girl, it's just going to be about Zelda ooh, and it's Link. Gonna, it's going to be a spicy game of the year conversation <laughs> this year. That's all I know. But you're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, this game looks phenomenal. Beautiful, gorgeous. I want it. It is a little concerning, though, that we don't have a release date already. I think that's kind of weird. But uh, hmm. knowing that they are not that far from fall 2023, we're literally like three, four months away. You would think they would have a release date locked up. I'm glad, though, that Sony's like, hey, you know what? Let's just not. Let's just keep it as a window. And then if we need to bump it, we'll bump it. And that's fine. Yeah. And I'm OK with that. I just it makes me feel like. I'm setting up expectations for it to be pushed and not for it to actually come out. Come out. That's fair. Which yeah. would be bet. Honestly, do it. Do it. Delay it. Delay it till February 2024. It'll be better for everybody. <laughs> but not too lame. So we had to obviously mention that that was like, to me, like the big highlight banger moment of the show, but also PlayStation coming out of nowhere with this hardware reveal and then like no details. We had to go find them on our own. And I know that you had pulled up some details from the PlayStation blog about this PlayStation Q device. Mm. And then it, they also revealed these PlayStation earbuds as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there had been a bunch of rumors going on, I think in the past few months about this PlayStation Q thing. What was 
is it going to be? Is it going to be like a switch? Is it going to be like a beta? Is it going to be like a steam? Who, who knows? But now we kind of have some more information. And there was a brief little line at the very bottom of the reveal trailer that I was like, what did that say? But thankfully, the fine folks at like IGN and Kotaku all pulled that up. So we have an article here called Sony's New Handheld Let's You Stream PS5 Games on the Go. It comes from Kotaku. And it says, well, it finally happened. Sony's got a new handheld on the way. It promises all the features of the fancy DualSense PlayStation 5 controller on an 8-inch high-definition screen. The only catch? It's a Wi-Fi streaming-only device pulling directly from your PS5. Sorry, Vita fans. And then it kind of goes on to the history of Sony's handheld. And then IGN has a thing, too. And it says, for all the folks hoping for a Sony competitor to the Nintendo Switch, this doesn't look to be what you're looking for. This is for streaming games from your PS5 to a handheld screen rather than playing anything natively. Think more Razer Edge and less Steam Deck. So, you know, we were talking about this during the stream. And again, like I have to remove myself from my situation, which is like, you know, my husband and I each have our own dedicated televisions because it's really important for like what I do as a career that I can access a TV, a high definition TV at any given time. So I've never really had the need to play something. If I'm playing like a game on a PS5 and I need to go like play it in another room, like I can always just go play it on my own TV. So I have to kind of remove myself from that bubble and be like, you know, maybe there are, there probably are a lot of, you know, households out there where you only have one television. And like you said, if mom and dad want to watch the baseball game and little Johnny wants to play, you know, Marvel Spider-Man 2 and they can't do it because the TV is being hogged by those baseball watching fiends. They can use their PlayStation Q to go play it somewhere else. And for that reason, like, yeah, I definitely see a case for that. I just wish, you know, that there's maybe down the line, (laughs) but I know it'd be wildly expensive, something that can play games natively for, you know, when you do travel or if you are in a hotel or if you do want to like go on the road. But I think we're very, very, very far away from that if it ever does. You mean like Vita 2? Like a Vita 2, you know, like a Switch, something like that. I would Switch has spoiled me, girl. And I know there's a reason why the Switch is as uh, not as technically impressive as these other consoles and handhelds. I know it's much more, it's cheaper to make, cheaper to sell at, whatever, whatever. But still, it would be so cool. Yeah, but Steam Deck exists as a thing that shows that you can have impressive, powerful graphics on a handheld device. Sure, it does come at a cost, right? right? And it's, it's a more expensive cost than the Switch is, but it's possible. And it's interesting talking about the size of this thing. So both the Steam Deck and the OLED Switch have seven inch screens. So if this is an eight inch screen, it's even bigger than the Steam Deck, which is wild because the Steam Deck is a chonky boy. Yeah. And so it's it's something I think the form factors is interesting to consider. But yeah, I think we need to play with it. We need to learn more. There's a lot of questions that you already brought up about who is this for? You know, most importantly, though, how much is it going to cost? I mean, that's it. And that's why I guarantee they're going this route is you can sell at a cheaper, more attractive price point. You know, why not take advantage of the install base of the PS5 instead of trying to sell a brand new PS5 in a handheld form? Like, I get it. But like, yeah, so many more questions. Porque no los dos. Why don't you just do both? Make two versions. money is hard. Things are Like, make a stream-only version. It's like the PlayStation 5 itself. You've got the one version that doesn't have the disc and then one that does you know I mean it's not quite it's not quite the same you know, it's I'll more roll. like a it's more like an Xbox Series S versus X comparison but you know I, I digress ro- I'm rolling with you thank you and then they also announced PlayStation earbuds we talked at length 
way back when, when Mark Cerny did his GDC talk about how the PlayStation 5 architecture and hardware is making a big focus on audio, how audio design, you know, is playing into the software with the hardware. And so I think it's cool that they're offering, you know, proprietary earbuds. As somebody with pediatric-sized ear canals, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to wear these, but they intrigue me. I really love the idea of wearing something in-ear versus over-the-ear for playing video games, something that's, you know, native and that does sound really well, but there's also a bazillion Bluetooth earbuds, so I really need to hear them to see what's special about them. But, you know, it's a nice option. Okay, quickly, because we have to move on to other things. PSVR 2 had a moment in this showcase. They said that they were going to talk about some of their VR games, and they did not lie. And both Brittany and I were grateful that they kept it brief, as I'm sure a lot of other people are were. But, of course, as expected, we saw Resident Evil. Yeah. Right? That, that, yeah, that, you yeah. want to play it? I mean, of course. <laughs> any reason, any availability to get inside of Leon, if you know what I'm saying, girl, if you know what I'm saying. Ooh, Ooh, um, okay. Yeah, but this is, honestly was a really kind of, it was cool that we got the gameplay footage because last we heard about this was that, yo, it's in development. It's like, okay, cool. Like we assumed it would be. Um, we didn't really get any other information on it. And today we just got some gameplay with a currently in development. It's like, ah, all right. But we did get to see it in development. Cool. It looks great. It looks like Resident Evil 4. I love that it's not floaty hands. The combat looks intense. So cool. You know, this is coming as free DLC. Awesome. Great. Happy to see it. Um, hopefully, we get a release date on that soon or release window, but I think it could be a hot minute. Yeah, and then we saw Arizona Sunshine, which looks hilarious. You know, you can make zombies talk with your mouth, with their jaw opening and closing. Like, okay, that was just a fun, fun trailer. Then you have in here Crossfire, Sierra Squad, some Beat Saber stuff. Yeah, Queen, the music pack. I mean, we haven't yeah. heard anything from the Beat Saber team in a while. And so they came out and said, hey, yeah, the iconic music of rock band Queen is going to be in Beat Saber. Yeah. And PSVR 2. Oh, and I think we were all hoping for Half Life Alex, and it didn't happen. We were, or something based off of one of their major IPs. Like, listen, I'm saying for God of War VR, just give me like a Mimir simulator, you know, where I can just like. Yes, I love this. Where I can just be Mimir on the back of Kratos' ass and just witness the like most pivotal events of God of War Ragnarok. Like, <gasps> I'm just saying, pay me Sony <laughs> to give you these ideas. You want a little extra, like, woo give that little rumble whenever Kratos farts, you know, like a little. Like, you know, I don't know, just do something with it. I would I would play that to shit, no pun intended, out of that game. Uh, but oh, Brittany, like, what's my, happened to us? My brain, I just want to sit and be entertained, Andrea. I don't want to actually play video games. I just want them to play themselves in front of me so I don't have to put any effort into them. Um, but like, Oh, that's hilarious. But like real talk, yeah, like this, it was a very unimpressive showing for VR. Not anything, nothing against Queen, nothing against Arizona Sunshine, but like that's not what is going to sell PSVR 2 headsets. Hopefully down the line we'll get some major IP shenaniganry going on, but um, for now, like it is what it is. Cool. Yeah. Just because we can't literally cover everything in the showcase, I'm just gonna like quick hit a couple things that we chatted briefly about in the live stream, which you guys can go seek out if you want to. Assassin's Creed Mirage, very excited about it. We're gonna talk more about that at the Ubisoft Forward event. I assume that we're going to see more there. We saw a really cool trailer for Street Fighter 6. That game is coming out next week, so we'll talk more about that after it launches. Uh, Dragon's Dogma 2 got announced. Finally, that's been rumored. Obviously, Capcom confirmed that they were working on it when they did their own showcase, but we hadn't really seen anything of it. Five Nights at Freddy's Help Wanted 2 also, but I think a big thing that people were looking forward to, Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater confirmed, plus a Metal Gear Solid collection was also announced as well for PlayStation. So lots of stuff in the showcase 
just not the giant get hype level that I think that we were expecting. So one last thing to talk about in news before we get to our hands-on segment uh-huh. is Mortal Kombat yeah, 1. Girl. I was so excited for you when I when I when this came out. So excited. Thank you. you. Like I and I, it took me a minute because I have been not on social media very much lately, as people who follow me are probably aware. I've just been trying to take more breaks from it because it's just been a little too toxic in my life and I just needed to kind of, you know, push it away for a little while. And also Twitter itself has just become an Uh ongoing tire fire. So Mortal Kombat 1, the trailer is ridiculous. It looks amazing. I was a little concerned that they're calling it Mortal Kombat 1 because I'm like, what does this mean? Is it a reboot? And so there's a lot of unknowns. So what we do know is that Jeff Keighley announced that Ed Boon is going to be on stage with him at the Summer Game Fest live event. So we're definitely going to get another showing there. So we'll talk more about it then. But we got a really cool list of characters that were confirmed. Liu Kang, Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Raiden, Kung Lao, Katana, Milena confirmed because that's been like an ongoing thing with the Mortal Kombat community about her being playable. Shang Tsung, Johnny Cage, and more. NetherRealm's definitely going to add a lot more. We're probably going to see more at Summer Game Fest. Um, They detailed some of the new additions that are coming out and most importantly, the release date. The game is coming out on September 19th, so very soon on PS5, Xbox Series X and S, Nintendo Switch, and PS5. PC. The game trailer, I'm not even going to like deep dive into. I'm just going to say <laughs> after everything that went down with Kronika in Mortal Kombat 11, anything is possible. Is Liu Kang the new god instead of Raiden? Is Raiden still a god? What's Raiden's role? What's going to happen? What? I mean, they, they opened the door to just like blow the strings of sanity off of what <laughs> loose threads held this narrative together. Oh my in the God, first that place. is the best fucking quote I have ever heard. <laughs> That is so good. <laughs> like, I mean, the Mortal Kombat narrative it was wild before like 10 and 11 and then 11 came in, like 10 like set the ground and then 11 came in and was like, we're just going to do whatever the fuck we want. It's like the dream sequence at the end of Dallas. I'm like, it's just, you know, it's basically like who knows what's real and what's not anymore. <laughs> but what I do know is that I love these characters and that I'm excited to play more and I'm excited to get my hands on this game. Hopefully we'll be able to do something soon. The public beta is set to take place in August if you pre-order any version of the game on PS5 or Xbox. So they also confirmed that they're going to add, but post-launch, and they be NetherRealm, of course, a cross-play and cross-progression, which is amazing. Woo-hoo! I love that they're doing cross-progression. Cross-play obviously feels like it's an industry standard now, but getting cross-progression in a fighting game like this is, is really exciting. So yes, had to mention that. More to come at Summer Game Fest when I assume that they're going to show more because Ed Boon's going to be there. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that. And then now we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Brittany has some sexy ab and wavy hair thoughts about Final (laughs) Fantasy 16. gentlemen to what's good games this is where we talk about our hands-on experiences with video games that we've played and preview events we've been to if you're watching on youtube.com slash what's good games you might notice that it is just i Brittany brombacher here andrea had to skedaddle to take care of some business nothing serious she just had to pick up her daughter and i was like andrea you know what we've both put in long days why don't you just let me 
take care of this Final Fantasy 16 preview because after all, I am the one who played it. And you go pick up your lovely little child and let me talk about this game in what I am calling a Brit Power Hour because it is just now you and me, friends, all alone. I have a microphone and no one to, I mean, I don't know what to say, what I was going to say there. Basically, I can just gush all I want. No one can stop me and tell me I'm being too inappropriate. Okay, so yes, so I had the chance to play Final Fantasy 16. Oh gosh, this feels like it was almost a month ago. Square Enix did fly me out. They did provide me with accommodations and some lovely bagels and other yummy food. So there's my disclaimer. So don't sue me. Don't get mad at me. Yeah, wow. I don't even know where to begin with Final Fantasy 16. I'm sure you've seen the trailers. I'm sure you've seen the hands-on preview with the combat and earlier this week uh, the embargo came up so we could talk about our hands-on experience so I got to play about five hours of Final Fantasy 16 and it started at the beginning of the game and went about five hours in maybe maybe like four hours in and then I got about an hour and with some open world area shenanigans that I'll touch on later and holy Holy shit balls, friends. This game honestly blew away any expectations I had. I have been so, I was so, so impressed with what I saw. And I, this is like hands down. This could be my game of the year, like easily. Not even a question. Like it's up there. So, okay. So I guess I'll just start with like the first few hours were super duper narrative heavy. And I think this is important to to mention because a lot of you might be thinking, well, of course it is. It's a Final Fantasy game. Yes, it is. But And I guess I should also probably mention that Final Fantasy 16, you don't have to have played any of the other ones to enjoy this game. That just kind of goes without saying, even though we're 16 games into this. Okay, anywho. Yeah, so anyway, Final Fantasy 16, very narrative heavy at first. But what's really cool about this is despite it being pretty slow when it comes to gameplay, like I didn't even get to play that much during these first few hours. I loved that though. And the reason is because Square is carefully and intently laying this foundation, laying this groundwork of this for players so we understand what it is we're hopping into because you are just thrown headfirst into this game. And I I think it's Valistea, Valistea. I asked for official clarification on how to pronounce it. Despite having played it and heard that name a whole bunch of times, I still can't remember like how to pronounce it because it was so long ago. Anyway, you are just thrown into this world head first. And this is an interesting world because in this world of Final Fantasy, there are all these different regions in this world and each one has what's called a dominant. Think of it as like a summoner if you've played any of the other Final Fantasies, which means that they can summon these massive creatures, these icons, which is what they're called in this game, like Shiva or Ifrit or Titan, like you've seen them before. And that is kind of where the political power lies. Now, in some regions, people who can do these things are considered almighty, all-powerful. But in other regions, they're just considered like the scum of the earth. So it's really fascinating how those politics play out. Anyway, there's something called the blight, and it's slowly approaching. And it's kind of threatening this uneasy peace that all of these lands have maintained for some time. And so you have like all of these political intertwinings. Intertwinings, is that a word? That's what I'm using. And you just have all of this like dominant stuff and the and these summons and this this world is large and it's complicated and square takes its sweet time laying down the foundation for this but it also goes over your head a lot and i know that sounds like a bad thing but i think it's intentional so what square does to mitigate this is you have something called the action time lore and this is a menu that you can bring up at any time although i didn't try bringing it up in the very beginning of the game because i didn't know it existed and i don't know if that, if it even unlocks at that point but not too far in you can bring this up and it's this really cool screen and what it does is it shows you people and places relevant to you and your current mission and what you're doing in that moment 
moment and it answers any questions you have about who is this person and how are they relevant to the situation? What is this location? What is their political affiliation? And I use this so much. And I love that this is the route that Square is going instead of making the main character, Clive, feel like an idiot, right? And be like, hey, Clive like walks in, like, I don't know anything about this world that I am born into. And then people have to explain it to him. They don't have to do that. It feels much more believable this way. And I really love that they have with this action time lore. And God, I hope more games use stuff like this in the future. So anyway, so yeah, you have all this groundwork, this narrative heavy stuff. These cutscenes, friends, are just gorgeous. Like the mocap, the the voice acting, like all of this, like these cutscenes, I just could not, I could not pull my eyes away. They are so well done and so beautiful. And the sound design, like, trust me, the cutscenes are worth watching and they're worth getting lost and absorbed in. Anyway, so you have all these politics, you have all this narrative, but this is a mature rated game. And this all fits so well in toge- together. The, the, the strong foundation, the, these these weird, complicated political relationships, this oncoming blight, you know, everything, the, 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 the dominance and the summons, it all ties in and, and it has a mature rating. So what you're going to see is you're going to see so much death, so much betrayal, so much uh, violence, so much swearing, like the word fuck is just used a lot. But it feels like it's being used correctly. It's not like someone's just going around. They don't like, not like how I use the word fuck. Like I just throw it out. Like like it's you know bathwater or whatever. I just say I just throw out the f bomb all the time. But it's written correctly, and it actually adds to the emotions into the weight of these characters and their personalities. And there's mild sexy time. I saw some like you know like you know first base, second base shenanigans, and I'm like okay, like this is a mature rated Final Fantasy game. And I know a lot of you might be thinking, like, well, this isn't the first time. Like, I agree. I'm 100% with you. Listen, Final Fantasy 15, for being what it was, that plot and that story towards the end, like, woo, it went places and it got dark. And I tried explaining that to people and I loved Final Fantasy 15 so much. But for those of you who thought Final Fantasy 15 was too boy bandy, too, like, aloof, too, like, cheesy, like, okay, well, guess what? You're getting what you asked for and then some. This game is absolutely not messing around when it comes to the tone of this game. And I know it's not the first Final Fantasy game, a lot of people bring up tactics to be that mature game that a lot of us, we can't stop talking about it. People have played it because it is surprising, you know, to see it with today's technology and, and today's just, I don't know, all the skills Square has taken from making well, more than 16 of these. And it is this mature, dark toned, like oh, Final Fantasy game. There were moments where I had to look away because the violence was too much. And they don't cut any corners. Like there are no con- corners cut. The message you want to be told, Square makes sure you are told it. And that to me is just like one of the most one of the coolest things, and I think one of the things that blew me away the most. Um, and it all looked and ran so smoothly. So anyway, now that I've gushed about the tone and the story of Final Fantasy 15, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to the next thing. And the next thing I have in my notes, because of course I do, it's unfair how hot everyone in this game is. It is just absolutely, it's just unfair. Like, granted, there are some people that, I, you know, I, yeah, but there are most of them. I'm like, damn, like Sid, can we just talk about Sid for a moment? He was an oglop in Final Fantasy IX, and now he is just this beautiful, studly, like, creation of a man with this deep, deep voice, and I can't remember who the voice actor is, but damn, Anyway, like looks aside, all these characters are very well, well, well written. And I know that's a very cliche thing to say, but everything that came out of their mouth, like I couldn't predict it. Like it was all very interesting. And I was just glued. Every time someone spoke, I listened. It was it was just like I could not get enough of these cutscenes and these relationships that you see form in front of you. 
Oh my God. Like I cannot wait to watch these things play out. They are going to, this story I think is going to be so convoluted in a good way, like so complex and takes so many unexpected turns. Like I just, I just can't wait with a cast like this. I don't know how, how it possibly can't. Um, Another thing a lot of people have been talking about is the combat in Final Fantasy 16. So yeah, it's very quick. It's obviously not turn-based. It's it's a step more than what Final Fantasy 7 was in the fact that this is all very real-time. So you can jump, you can parry, you can evade, you can dash. You have a dedicated button for your melee combat and a dedicated button for your magic. Holding R2 gives you access to your special abilities. You have items via the D-pad. You can parry, you can counter, and if you evade correctly, you get a combo follow-up. And it sounds like a lot when I'm describing it, but the tutorial does such a great job at breaking it down and introducing it to you in narrative beats and in fun ways. It's not like you're just like, here's this tutorial. No, they're off you go. It's like, now, like, it feels like a natural progression to the combat. And me as someone who isn't all that great at action games, I'm happy to say like I had no problem. It felt like second nature, you know, after a while and it didn't take long for me to really, really get the hang of it. And God, once you're like moving and grooving with the combat, it just feels so good. And I just can't see a future where they don't use this model for combat in the future. Now, I think if they like remake games, they could probably go back to turn-based. There are some rumblings of Final Fantasy IX being turn-based. Like, okay, that makes sense. Sure, go on with your bad self. But going forward, it just keeps the momentum of this game going. You know, it's not like you're having this incredible cinematic high-action moment and then stop and let's do some turn-based combat. Like, no, like it goes hard all the time. And that includes in the combat. And you also have a, well, you don't. Enemies have what's called a will gauge. And essentially, it's a bar. And it's like a stagger bar. Like, we're pretty familiar with those, right? And as you whittle it down to halfway, you'll get a brief stagger, which allows you to follow up and do some more epic attacks or whatever. But then once you hit those, once you completely deplete the will gauge, the enemies go into a total stagger. And at that moment, then you can start increasing the attack damage you're doing to those enemies up to 150%. And I can't like express how important the uh, the will gauge and the stagger meter is. This is how you're going to do the majority of your most like intense damage, especially when you're fighting bosses. And so there's like a few ways to approach this. Like one is, you know, you can just attack and hope for the best because you have your damage gauge and your will gauge. Weapons will do both sorts of damage, but it's up to you to pick and choose which weapons you want to use, depending if you want to focus on depleting the will gauge before the damage, et cetera, et cetera. Like you'll play with it. You'll figure it out what works for you. I found myself gravitating towards weapons that did more gauge damage because I mean, like these, these meters are beefy. These HP bars are beefy. And it was just the most efficient way to, 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 to put those bitches under the dirt. But anyway, speaking of combat, the other thing I want to talk about is I'm sure y'all have heard that there are two difficulty options in Final Fantasy 16. You have action focus mode, which is like those who, and I quote, are ready for the action. And then you have story focus mode, which are those of you who want better time nailing those dodges, combos, those other things I was talking about earlier. So... This isn't like normal difficulty options, you know, where you'd expect like the baby ass baby mode. Instead, what you have are these rings. And I don't know if I wrote down any of the actual ring names, but essentially like the only difference in these modes are is that you have rings equipped when you start and then or you start the game with the rings just not equipped. So either way, you get these rings and essentially what they do. Yeah, they just like let you push buttons and you nail combos. So if you're looking for something that's a little bit more mindless, you can absolutely equip these rings for what it's worth. Again, someone who is not 
the best at action games. I'm not terrible, but you know, like I'm really bad with combos and the like and that sort of stuff. I had absolutely no issue with the main action focus mode. Like to me, it was no problem whatsoever. I never, well, I guess I was close to dying a few times, but I never felt like I had to lower the difficulty. But what's great about this is that, you know, for maybe those who love the turn base because it gives you more time to like think and calculate your move, if the fast paced action is too much, you can just equip these rings whenever you want. Also, I fully recognize I'm losing my voice because I have been streaming for about, oh, four hours now. And now now I'm recording a fucking monologue with just me. It's fine. There is one ring, though, that I do want to talk about that I will be using. And this is the ring called the Ring of Timely Assistance. So I'm sure you've seen our wolf buddy friend Torgal, and he is this adorable little wolf. Well, he's not really little. He's actually quite large and beastly and menacing, but he is your friend, and that is what is important. And he will be following you around, and you actually can control him in combat. And by control him, you're just, I mean you're just issuing commands to him. You can tell him to sick. You can tell him to heal. You can tell him to like toss bitches up in the air. And I tried doing the manual control for a while. But I found that I was so immersed in my own combat and what I was doing. And by the way, you don't control your AI companions. They all control themselves. That damn right. Pull your weight, Sid. So I'm going to be using this ring. And that controls Torgal automatically. So you do not have to do it. Just something to keep an eye on. Again, you can equip at any time. It's no problem. But I just found that I just didn't want to. I kept forgetting to tell Torgal to do stuff. And then he was just kind of like, yo, bro, what am I doing? I'm like, I don't know, sir. You have a brain. Use it. And he was like, no, you're supposed to use your brain. Anyway, I digress. So there are, again, like the summons that I mentioned at the top. There are these things called the icons. And they are basically, you know, the summons that we have come to know and love. I know every game they have a different name, but they are called icons in this one. And this has been a feature that I feel like has been showcased as a really cool new way to experience these icons, these summons in different ways. And these icons are going to be battling each other for certain narrative reasons. And the one icon battle that I got to experience was the one between Phoenix and another, what it was simply simply just called like another fire icon. Like I can't get into the whys of why it was called that or what it is. But essentially, it's this big firebird phoenix versus another icon of a fire nature. Okay. And these are these beautiful cinematic fights. And they're gorgeous. And they're so well like choreographed. And oh my god. But what makes them so cool is that you actually can play during it. However, I as the person who was controlling phoenix will say that the controls were very, very simple. And like, I'm not going to say it was boring, but it was the sort of thing that I'm happy to do once and then not do again. Because if I had to repeat that over and over again, it would get very repetitive and it would be a little boring. So you could shoot, dodge, and steer Phoenix, and that's all you can do. I did die at one point because I was fighting or shooting something that I thought I was supposed to shoot. And it turns out that was not an enemy. That was a piece of a stagnant art. So I died. And then thankfully, though, when I rebooted the game back up, it had a great autosave system. So I didn't have to do that whole thing over again because that would have been a little too much. So anyway, the TLDR is as stunning as that icon battle was. The gameplay was a little, and I definitely would not want to do it all over again. But hopefully, you know, maybe the more, the different ones that we experience will be more varied and interesting. I also want to talk about the open area that I got to experience because I think this has been kind of a big question mark for a lot of people, myself included, was what does the moment-to-moment gameplay look like when you're out just plain. What what can you do? So obviously, like the open world aspect of it is is not really a thing anymore. You have this really cool map that you get to choose your locations. And it, it's a cool map because it makes you feel like where you're going is important. And it makes it feel like the things you're doing 
you know, it shows the relation between the locations and da da da. So anyway, you pick your location and the most of my demo, it was mostly linear in the sense it was like, okay, go from point A to point B. And like granted, you know, it's not like a narrow pathway. It's not like Final Fantasy 13 narrow pathway. You know, it's larger. There are branching paths and branching areas you can go to and it just feels larger than it actually is. You know, I admittedly like only played again for a few hours of actual gameplay. So I don't know how representative that is of the overall experience. So like that part, like I wouldn't say was disappointing. It worked fine, but it wasn't this huge open land that maybe a lot of us were expecting. But there was a part in my demo where I was able to explore a larger area, and this was called the Three Reeds. And it was this large, grassy wetland area with mountains and lakes and rivers. And um, I got to spend maybe like 35 to an hour just exploring that area. Time, I don't remember anything anymore. I wasn't allowed to interact with NPCs or activate side quests or anything like that. So I can't really speak to the depth that those activities will add to open areas like the Three Reads. But from what I played, while it was beautiful, there just wasn't a lot to see and do. You know, there wasn't a lot of banter between the characters. There was some, but like not nearly enough that I would have, not as much as I would have liked. You can explore around. I found treasure chests, you know, with items inside, usually like towards the end of the map, the edge of the map, if you will. There's a bunch of enemies to fight. And there, again, there were NPCs and other stuff, but I couldn't interact with it. So I hope that these open world areas are filled with more interesting things to do, even again, if it's just banter between the the characters to kind of add some some breadth, some, some knowledge, some excitement, if you will. Add another layer of intrigue to these areas. I think that could really go a long way. I still think we haven't seen everything yet. You know, again, only like five hours of this game. It's not it's not a heck of a lot. So I think we still could be very pleasantly surprised by what we see with these larger areas. But it was really pretty. It was really fun to be there. But yeah, like eh, it wasn't like I couldn't have spent like all day there exploring. I was able to explore most of the map in probably 35 minutes. And I know that sounds like a lot, but it was mostly just like running around. Not really. OK, I, I'm, I already talked about that. So I got to check. I can't believe I'm talking by myself for 20 minutes. Let's go. Sid's Hideaway. So this is going to be like your central hub area. And this is where you're going to go and chat with NPCs. You can upgrade your weapons and armor at the blacksmith. You can buy items. You can do some training. You can participate in like these like training mini games where you can compare your scores with other people who are playing the game. What I did when I was there, and it's like this cavey area, you know, it's not like the most gorgeous, beautiful place to be, but it's not really supposed to be because it's a hideaway, right? You don't want it to be super like vibrant and flamboyant or whatever. Anywho, you're in a cave. I upgraded my weapons and gear with a blacksmith with some materials that I had gathered. I talked to a shop owner and bought some new stuff, like, you know, the kind of the basics. But there was a two side quests that I did. And one of them was delivering soup to patrons, which I know doesn't sound all that exciting. And even less exciting was delivering wood to someone who needed it, which really like literally was me walking like across the hideaway to give someone wood. Like, okay, whatever. So yeah, like these weren't the most exciting side quests to do. But what it did do is it did enrich the culture and the lore of Final Fantasy 16. I learned a lot about the history of the world that I was in just from listening to what the NPCs had to say to me once I did something. And for that reason, like, and of course, like you get rewards, you get XP and you get items. And like, like I said in my preview video, my labor ain't cheap. So like, of course, like that's my main motivating factor. But it was also great to know that even the simplest quest could give me some fun rewards from a narrative perspective. And I think that's part of the reason why we all love the Final Fantasy games, right? Are the story and the worlds that we get thrown into. There's some other like nitpicky things I can talk about. You know, like I noticed in combat, you only get like 
three high potions and four potions. No way of knowing if you can increase that as the game goes on. Definitely adds a more complicated layer to the combat and, and whatnot of this game. So you can't go in with 99 potions anymore. But like, I think that covers most of it. And I've been talking for a very long time. But, like, I cannot stress this enough how freaking good this game was. And, again, it's just a preview. And I know I know I'm known for getting hyped. And I know I'm known for, like, getting all excited. But just playing this game, there were multiple moments where I had tears in my eyes. If it wasn't from, like, the violence, it was from these massive, epic icon battles in the air. Shiva and Titan at one point were going at it in the sky while I was just running around. Like, so they're fighting they're, they're fucking shit up all around me. And I'm just trying to like run like a little bitch from point A to point B. But like we're at a point where we can manifest Final Fantasy 16 in a way in 2023 that we've never been able to see done before. And I think it's smart to cut out the open world as much as that saddens me and just focus on making a detailed, rich experience where you don't just have vast vastness of nothingness or ep- emptiness, whatever, you know, the fuck I'm trying to say. But you have these curated moment-to-moment pieces that tell this wider story. And I think there is such a big story here that Square wants to tell. And I think that's why we're getting this game that we are. But, like, it all ran so smooth. I mean, I did, like, have a few technical issues, but that was because I was accidentally... uh, I somehow accidentally unlocked the debug mode, but, like, that's obviously not going to be in the final game, so... Not even, like, relevant, but it was just kind of funny. Anywho, yeah, this game fucking rocks. It fucking rocks. So if Andrea were here, I would tell her, like, yo, girl, like, I think she's really going to like this game. I think she's going to like the combat. I think she's going to like the characters. I think she's going to like this story. And I know a lot of people are saying Game of Thrones meets Final Fantasy. And I know Game of Thrones has been an inspiration, but... I know it's such a cliche thing to say, but it feels like it. And I and I love that they're taking this mature tone. And I love that they're not cutting corners. They're not holding anything back. And that's why I'm really, really excited for this game, among all the other reasons I mentioned. All right. So before my voice goes, and it sounds like I'm going through puberty again, I am going to say thank you so much for listening to me talk about Final Fantasy 16 by myself. But before I go, I got a little tease for you, friends. I got a little tease. And that tease is next week. Andrea and I are talking to some of the team behind Diablo 4, and we have a Diablo 4 jam-packed episode just for your eyeballs on YouTube and your ear holes if you listen to podcasts, just the audio and such. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. Anyway, yeah, it's going to be a really fun episode, and I'm really, really excited for y'all to hear it. So thank you again so much for listening to this week's episode of What's Good Games. I am Be Nasty. And can you tell I'm so, like, mentally done? I love y'all so much, and I'll see you next week. Bye!